these services, and thank you for your presence tonight. And Lord, I just thank you for, for such an open heaven, your glory here, and that, that you would anoint and speak to me everything that needs to be said tonight. And even now, the Holy Spirit moving upon the people of God that are going to be hearing this, every one of us, to give, you the, give us the grace, rather, to give you our full attention, our focus. We're not going to be distracted or hindered, but the Holy Spirit is moving upon us and giving us the grace that our minds will be able to understand the Word. Our hearts will be open and receptive to the Word. We'll have eyes and ears of the Spirit to maybe see and understand things maybe we never have before, and that everything will be accomplished in and through this, that your will to be done. We submit this unto you, and we know the birds of the air try to steal seed. So we agree together that we bind in Jesus' name anything that would try to hinder or distract or resist or oppress this in any way from accomplishing what God wants it to do. We bind you in Jesus' name. You will go from this place and from this time in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for your angels clearing that out and the winds of your spirit carrying this word where it needs to go. And we stand on the promise that it will not return void, but accomplish that which you sent it forth to do, that everything will be accomplished in and through this time in the word of God that is your will to be done. We thank you for it, and we believe it, and we expect it. Amen. All right, so we're getting into the word tonight and looking at, um, we're, we're still in the series, Paying the Price for Revival. And I am on part seven now, and we, a couple of weeks back, I talked about the, the revival in Wells and how Evan Roberts had been attacked. And we dealt with that. We dealt with uh, Jezebel's spirit and witchcraft. And last week, I talked a little bit more about that. And I want to continue in that a little bit tonight and um, kind of finish up about the warfare aspect. And then next week, I want to finish up this series altogether. But next week, I won't be dealing with warfare. I'm going to deal more with just the revival and, and um, some things that God said on my heart that I don't want to get into now. But uh, after that, we have the conference. So I'm really excited about those that are coming to be a part of that. So with that said, tonight we're dealing with clearing away witchcraft. So it's interesting, and I fully agree with this. Derek Prince said something one time that stayed with me, and I believe this is true. And he said this, he said, if I was to ask you, what is the greatest hindrance to your destiny in God? He said, I could give you a hundred chances to guess it. And he said, I don't think you would guess it. He said, so let me just go ahead and tell you that I believe it to be witchcraft. And when he said that, it really stayed with me. And now through all these years of ministry, I believe that that is true. I believe that witchcraft is probably the greatest hindrance to the things of God, the purposes of God that could possibly be out there. This is the greatest hindrance. So tonight, I'm going to deal with some of that, and I have some scriptures to share, but I'm going to deal primarily with what is witchcraft and how is it such a hindrance. Well, let me open up with this. So as we talked about last week, witchcraft has to do with control, like an ungodly control. And I'm going to tell you this, the greatest hindrance to revival, and really the greatest hindrance to a lot of things in the kingdom of God is this. Listen to what I'm saying. Man's control. It is so bad. Man's control is so pervasive that it gets to the point that man even wants to control the gospel itself by making it into something where you say this little prayer or some ritual, or you join our little club, 
And, there, and it's almost like that saves you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a way for man to try to control. But I'm going to tell you that everything about Christianity, everything about it, is actually very supernatural and beyond our control. For example, we cannot actually make somebody get saved or not. That's beyond our control. We have to pray, and who is the one that draws people? None can come but the Father draw, but how does he draw? By the Spirit. You see, and when somebody is born of God, it is not something that man is in control of. It's something that's by the Spirit, you see, that we have to be totally dependent on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and man has such a problem with that. That's why there's such a stifling of the gifts. That's why services are so controlled. You know, we joke about this a lot, but my wife gives her testimony sometimes um, in different places that are definitely not spirit-filled, and it'll, it'll be something that is, is a uh, an event people come to and all that. But it's like this. They say, okay, from 10 to 10.15, we're going to do this. From 10.15 to 10.45, this. You see, it's all about man's in control about what is going to take place. And there's no room for God to actually be in control. I remember being at um, one time at this revival meeting and the Holy Spirit just fell and people were getting hit by the power of God all in their seats and it was like the day of Pentecost. But see, Man's control has such a problem with that. Why? Because they are completely out of control. You see, man, God is just taking over that meeting. And a lot of people don't like that because they don't like to be out of control. And so that's what we're dealing with. And there's a lot of things that, that I could say. Last week I talked about illegitimate authority. And much of, unfortunately, much of what has happened is that no longer, if you look up the criteria, it's not in my notes, but if you look up how did in the book of Acts, how did they determine that people would be chosen to be a deacon? How, were, how did they determine these things? You know, they looked at their, their, their walk with God. They looked at the power of God, the anointing on their life. And, and it's almost like all the criteria that was there to determine leadership is completely done away with today. The, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit the healings and miracles, signs and wonders, none of those things are even considered. Now, I hate to say it, I say it respectfully, but most of the time, people end up in positions of authority because they have money or they have popularity. And it's man that put them there, not really God. Isn't that sad? And many times, I hate to say it because it sounds so disrespectful, and I don't mean it to be, but many times among a lot of groups and fellowships, it's it's. It's not the Holy Spirit leading things. So what happens is, is that there's a lot of illegitimate authority in place. And as I said last week, just because a group of people come together and slap a title up there doesn't necessarily mean that it is a church in God's eyes, see? Illegitimate authority, ungodly control, and rebellion is what a lot of times Satan has strongholds in cities and regions and, um, man, I tell you what, it's very difficult to see a revival in that. You see, some people say, well, you know, Jesus talked about you can't pour new wine into old wineskin or it'll burst the skin. Okay, and we talk about revival, but let me kind of explain that. You see, in a lot of places, people say, well, why doesn't God just send revival? Okay, well, let me, let's consider something for a moment. If the Lord was to pour a true move of God, I mean a real move of God, into an old wineskin of a lot of places, 
here's what would happen. All the hidden sin would begin to come out. Queen Jezebel, that was the secretary, would start manifesting or being dealt with. You know what I'm saying? Queen Jezebel, that was leading the choir. All of a sudden, the people that were having this sin in their life, the seven sons of Sceva that are on the board, right? And Judas that's over the treasury, all these different things would start being dealt with, and literally that move of God could actually completely destroy that ministry. And what would happen is the wineskin would burst, they would be destroyed, and all of the revival would be lost. Do you see? God has to find a place that can handle the move of God. That when the move of God comes, it can be sustained. That it's not something that's going to bring a destruction because it exposes all this stuff and deals with stuff. And that's something that Steve Hill talked about I really liked. And I don't know if this sermon's even really out there anymore, but when he was pastoring at Heartland, I was there. Uh, he, he had a sermon called Strike the, Strike the Viper's Nest, and he was using the story when Paul was on the Isle of Malta, and he got bit by the snake, and then he threw it into the fire. But you remember how they started a fire, and there was a hidden snake under there that came out and bit Paul. Remember that? And he was saying that when you start a fire, the demons are going to stir up. And it's true. So things have to be prepared and you know as well as I do that all of our homes, if we were going to have somebody come and just visit for a day, all of us will kind of clean up a little bit and just throw some things in the closet. You know what I'm talking about? You just kind of just throw some things out of the way and clean up a little bit because they're just going to be there for dinner and leave. But you know as well as I do that it's a whole different thing if somebody's going to come live with you for a while, you, you adjust your home differently. In the same way, we want a move of God. It's not just something where the Lord's going to come and then go. You have to adjust everything for him to come and stay. It's a big difference. And so, anyway, I'm going to deal with some of this tonight. Delays and hindrances. Do you remember the scripture the Apostle Paul said, I wanted to be with you, but Satan has hindered us. And some translations say blocked us from coming to you. So there is a, a precedent in the word of God where the Apostle Paul wanted to go somewhere and spend some time with that church. And he said that the devil blocked him and hindered him from being able to get there. Isn't that interesting? So we all know that we, we're given free will. So I'm going to try to explain this the best I can. Because I think that some people have a view, well, if God wants something to happen, it'll just happen. Well, wouldn't that be wonderful? But here's the problem with that. God's given humanity a free will. It was not God's perfect will that, well, let's go beyond just humanity. It was not God's perfect will that Lucifer rebel and a third of those angels fall. It was not God's perfect will that he really, when he put the, the Garden of Eden there, put Adam and Eve in it, he said, don't eat of that tree. It wasn't his, his will and his plan that they fall and take all these other people with them. And we know that the Bible says, and, and Peter, Peter said this, he said, look, it's not God's will that any perish, but all come into repentance. So we know it's not God's will that anybody go to hell, but in the gospel is there for all. But how many knows that there's still going to be a lot of people in hell? 
So God's given us free will, and the problem with that is is that a lot of times people choose wrong. And so I say that because there is a dynamic of spiritual warfare against the things of God, and the devil can kind of use people. And because of that, many times I believe what God's perfect will and his plan is that there can be hindrances, delays, and sometimes it doesn't even happen. But it's because we live in a fallen world. It's because not everybody's obeying God. And it's because of spiritual warfare coming against people that things are hindered sometimes. Sometimes things are delayed. And even sometimes in extreme situations, they're blocked altogether and don't even happen. And I'm not in any way trying to get political because I, I, I bring up this situation with President Trump and I don't want politics involved. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. But from the time he entered office, he started coming up against witchcraft and rebellion and ungodly control, that witchcraft of ungodly control. And I'll mention that throughout this time. But, you know, some say, well, was it God's will for him to have served another term? You know, I don't know. I feel like it probably was. But again, if it was God's plan, look at this. If it was, you're seeing a delay, a hindrance, and possibly it blocked. And what was behind all of that? Witchcraft. Do you see? So what we've got to do is we've got to expose this, and then we've got to learn how to counter it. So witchcraft is rooted in rebellion, but it's ungodly control. But let me say one more thing about witchcraft. Witchcraft is actually Satan's current of power. For example, maybe I can explain this the right way here. Just, so bear with me. I'm trying to explain this. So whenever we come together and we're praying with people, the Holy Spirit comes and he moves in power. In many people, the word for power in the Greek is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, explosive. But many, have, many people have felt God's power surge through them. And that power is what brings healing. Okay, well, Satan's counterfeit to pow God's power, his counterfeit, is witchcraft. It, there is a real current of power there in Satan's kingdom. Like, for example, you can have, we just talked about these windmills and and where we were at in West Texas, and what is that? That's a source of power. It creates a, a power source, right? In the same way, there could be like a, a river that's flowing, and somebody puts one of those wheels in there that they, they, they can draw power from that. Also, we have electricity that's coursing through this place. It is a source of power that powers all the instruments and the lights, etc. Satan's kingdom runs on a current of witchcraft power. That's the power source. And some people that practice the dark arts have learned to try to channel that power and use it, although a lot of times it, it's using them as much as they think they're using it. And it destroys their existence in life and then sends them to hell. But anyway, they think that they're controlling it. But it is a source of power. And another thing that's interesting is the occult the word occult actually means hidden. How many knows that one of the devil's greatest strategies is to be doing things and remain hidden? When the enemy is exposed, that right there alone, just exposing what he's doing alone, he begins to be dismantled and defeated because God's people now see it 
And now they, they can begin to pray. They can begin to use their authority. And ultimately, if they'll persist, they will defeat the enemy because we have authority over him. But his greatest weapon many times is just simply to remain hidden. And people don't realize what's going on. They're like, well, why is this even going on? Why is this so difficult? Why does there seem to be delays and hindrances and even blockages? It's like everything that's, that we're trying to do here, something is resisting. Well, it could be witchcraft. And where's the source of that coming from? And when God begins to expose it, we see it, then we can begin to rise up in our authority and we can begin to dismantle it through prayer and fasting and get the breakthrough, clear it out, and go into what God's called us to do, you see? But a lot of times people don't know what's going on and they're not getting the victory because they don't even know what's the problem. So let me just kind of move around in this sermon and then bring it all together here at the end. But I'm gonna talk a little bit about Baal and let me explain this for just a moment. I think that this is important because it has to do with the coming of the Antichrist and the false prophet and all of that. So in Satan's kingdom, we know that Satan himself as an individual is like the highest authority in his kingdom, but he has right beneath him, he has these generals that are fallen angels that, that are very intelligent, very powerful, and they make up kind of his higher echelon of authority, okay? And I believe that one of those extremely high-ranking generals is what we would call in the Bible from a biblical terminology, Baal, the spirit of Baal. And see, Jezebel worships Baal. Jezebel turns people toward Baal. Does this make sense? So Baal is a very high-ranking, powerful uh, fallen angel. And I believe that Baal oversees, this is just my opinion, the way I see it, okay? I believe that this Baal spirit oversees all of the corrupt worship of the world. That's his dominion, that's his realm to, to lead, to oversee people worshiping false gods, worshiping in a wrong way, worshiping in a way that, that grieves God, and under that, obviously, under that realm would be the occult and witchcraft, but he oversees all of that, that whole sphere all over the world. And under him would be various principalities. For example, there could be like the Prince of Persia, in my opinion, that oversees, like it's Allah, okay, but it oversees the realm of Islam. And that's a principality that oversees that false religion, that cult, but above that, is Baal, ultimately. And so he kind of oversees all the different things around the world, and he has his underlings under him. And I believe personally, this is just my opinion, and I, I just submit this to you, that I believe when you read Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist comes out of the sea, which is humanity. But isn't it interesting about the false prophet? It specifically references coming up out of the earth, and I personally believe that there's going to be some kind of a ritual that's going to summon this ancient powerful being of Baal that is going to either indwell or walk alongside the false prophet and empower him to do what he's going to do. And what's he going to do? He's going to unite the religions of the world. Isn't that interesting? See, that's that realm of Baal. All the different religions will now, under the false prophet, be able somehow to come together. 
And what's the false prophet going to do? He's going to direct the worship toward the Antichrist. Again, you're seeing false worship, perverted worship, counterfeit stuff, a counterfeit Messiah. In Lucifer, the dragon is going to be seen as like a god. He's a false god. And so do you see what I'm saying? Baal, once again, is using that authority in his life given him by the devil to bring the religions together, but also to perpetuate and continue false, corrupt, perverted worship, okay? And in this realm of Baal, Jezebel is a seducing spirit that wants to draw people like a seduction. Jezebel will seduce people into the occult. There's something that's a draw there, like an It's an alluring thing that Jezebel wants to present to people some kind of a hidden knowledge, some type of a power, something that they don't have. There's a a mystery about it. Again, a cult, it's hidden, that Jezebel is seducing people into. Do you see that? Jezebel is the seducing spirit that's also behind a lot of uh, pornography and sexual perversions and a lot of this garbage that's put in music videos, etc. It's very sexual. See, that's Jezebel. It's a seducing spirit that's seducing and drawing people into sexual immorality. What does the Bible say about Jezebel? She teaches my people to, to eat food sacrificed. Again, a connection with corrupt, perverse worship and sexual immorality. I'm hoping tonight that some type of a veil is being ripped back and maybe people are seeing some things they haven't really thought about. And here's another thing about Jezebel in this corrupt worship. Going back to ancient times, this is, this is not anything new, but has to do with child sacrifice. And isn't it interesting that Baal has such a stronghold in America? Let me tell you, people say, well, where did this really originally come in? I'll tell you where I believe, my opinion It came in through Freemasonry into our nation. See, Freemasonry, if you study this out, it goes back to Europe, and it's it's pretty ancient in many ways. But in Freemasonry, the god of Freemasonry is spelled Yah-Bul-On. And what that's supposed to be, the Yah part, is supposed to be Yahweh, the god of the Bible. But how many knows he'll never participate in that? And then the bull part, B-U-L, is actually Baal. Isn't that interesting? And then the on part is Osiris and has to do with ancient Egypt, sorcery, etc. And so Freemasonry is this, again, it's a false, corrupt, perverse worship that's bringing together different religions. Are y'all seeing this? Bringing together different religions Because, I mean, Freemasons come from all types of backgrounds and other religions. It is very ecumenical, and it comes together. But ultimately, that altar of Freemasonry is to Baal. It is not to God. Think about it for a moment, because I know about this. It's in my family, and I have studied it in depth. I know what I'm talking about. When people are brought in and they're hoodwinked, they're told that they're going to go through these initiations where they say this. They knock on the door and say Now listen, if somebody's a Christian, listen to what they're saying. I am in darkness needing to come into the light of Freemasonry. How as a Christian are you in darkness? Excuse me? Is that not a form of, of denouncing and renouncing the light of Christ? 
and coming into what light of Freemasonry, anybody that studied this out at all knows that it has to do with the light of Lucifer. Listen, they believe in the higher echelons of Freemasonry, and this is in their writings. Some people sometimes have tried to argue with me that don't know what they're talking about, then I'm like, I have to set them straight. It's in their writings that a lot of them don't go and read it themselves. Okay, it's in their writings that Manly P. Hall and all these people believe that Lucifer is actually the good God of light and the Adonai, the God of the Bible, is a dark God. And they, yes, they do believe that. So it is a very perverse thing. And when they come in, ultimately, and they kneel at an altar with some kind of Bible open, and there's that square and compass that's there, and they put their hand there and they swear an oath, they're kneeling at an altar to Baal. That is not God's altar. And here's the concerning thing in our nation. I want you to think about what I'm saying for a moment. Going back to ancient times now, way back, this goes back to Europe, Freemasonry, and even further back if you go back to ancient Egypt, okay, things like that. But many of our founding fathers were Freemasons in this nation. Our first president was a Freemason. But also, here's the thing here in the South, I don't know that this is everywhere, but in many of our cities, some of the very first things that were established in a city, I mean, obviously you have some kind of a post office and city council, etc. but one of the very first things would be a blue lodge, Freemasonry blue lodge that would be established in that city. And if you go back and research this for yourself here in the South, I'm just telling you it's the way it is here, go back to the beginning of that city, you'll see early on Freemasonry was involved. And listen to what I'm saying. Most of the early first churches that were there Many of them were Southern Baptists, etc. And at that time, I'm not saying it's that way now, but at that time, many of the pastors and elders were Freemasons. Do you see how this has somehow established a stronghold in this nation going back many, many years? Hello? So Freemasonry has been a huge part of bringing in this Baal and Jezebel spirit, this throne into our nation. And here's the thing about child sacrifice. It's no accident that it's such a point of contention about all this abortion. Because you're dealing with sacrificing these children, shedding this blood as far as Satan's kingdom is concerned. Some people may not believe this, may not like this, they may mock this, it doesn't really matter. And from God's perspective, period, it's murder. But from the devil's perspective, it is a human sacrifice unto him period. That's just the way he sees it. And these people that are participating, isn't it interesting, do you guys remember whenever Gorsuch was being uh, presented as a Supreme Court justice? How many do remember this? And a lot of ministers spoke about this. Here they are going to put Gorsuch in there, and they knew that he was a conservative who was going to go against abortion. And as they were bringing him in, how many of you guys remember the people that were there protesting this? And to most of us, the shrieks and the clawing at the door, all of that weirdness sounded more like demons manifesting than it did some kind of a protest. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm not getting political here. I'm trying to show you the, the, one of the strongest strongmen strongholds in America 
and Jezebel has a throne because of this stuff. And the abortion industry, a lot of that bloodshed empowers Jezebel, and it goes toward this Baal worship. Is this making sense? It's awful quiet here, but I believe with all my heart what I'm saying is true. And this is a stronghold in our nation. Now, let me tell you, if we understand this, then we need to be praying accordingly. And as God's people, once these things are exposed, what can we do? We can get on our face and begin to really pray and repent on behalf of this nation and begin to pursue revival and see God, what does the Bible say? If my people, not the heathen, called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear. I will forgive, and I will heal the land. That's a promise, and we can stand on that. And, and that right there alone is going to be the answer for this nation. It's not going to be a political fix. It's going to be God coming down. And so dealing with witchcraft, Isaiah 3.12, I mentioned this last week, as for my people, children are their oppressors. And we're seeing rebellious youth, violence in the youth. Women rule over them. You're seeing this dominance of, of wives ruling over husbands and, and, and that flip-flop, messed-up thing that's going on in a lot of families in our culture. And he said, oh, my people, your leaders cause you to err. They lead you astray. Look at what we have right now in this nation that witchcraft has manipulated into power, an empty suit that the very first thing that, that uh, Biden was doing was removing any, any type of a hindrance to abortion that Trump put there, stripping all that away, even to the degree of trying to fund, help America fund international abortions. I mean, that was right off the bat. That was the first, one of the first things on his agenda was to do everything he can. Why? Because it is a Jezebel Baal issue. Get your mind out of the realm of politics and understand the fallen angels that are behind this. It's a spiritual war. So, just quickly, witchcraft. So, let me kind of now shift back over. So, there's two realms we talked about last week, witchcraft of the flesh. And the way that that works, I talked about last week, is people know how to manipulate and intimidate others to get what they want. And it could be that a husband doesn't feel good about something, but the wife knows how to make his life miserable, how to insult him, how to hurt him until eventually he will capitulate and go along just to get her off his case. And she'll quit hurting him psychologically, emotionally, and doing things to twist his arm to get her a little way. That is witchcraft in a Jezebel spirit. And, um, and it's in the church. I mean, there, there's people out there in church leadership, pastors, that, that, man, there's people in that church that they're going to get their way. And they, they know how to go about it. There's people in there that have money, and they know that if they leave and they take others with them, it'll hurt the church, and they'll make threats. If you don't do what we want, if you don't preach what we want, if you don't do it this way, then we're going to do this. And there's a lot of twisting of the arm, a lot of manipulation, a lot of control. And unfortunately, a lot of pastors end up capitulating that. Why? Because they feel like for the, to go along to get along. But let me tell you something. If you go along to get along and you come under that control of witchcraft, you will regret it one day. It may give you some false sense of peace today, but it's not going to be long till things change drastically and you're going to regret the day you did that. You better go ahead and put your foot down and let them blow up 
and leave and clean house and let God restore. Because I promise you, if you go along with witchcraft, there will come a day you will regret that. Witchcraft will come in, it'll squeeze the life out. And see, that was the thing in Galatians. Why is Paul said, why has, who has bewitched you? And it's referring there to legalism. You remember me talking about man's control. Read the book of Galatians now, thinking in your mind about people coming in that were trying to nullify the gospel and trying to control. It was about a religious control. How many knows that witchcraft has a very religious component of religious control in churches? And if you allow that in, it will squeeze the life out of a church. It will bring like a wet blanket that puts out the fire. It will squeeze the life out of a family. Where there's witchcraft in a family, where there are things out of order, the kids are in disarray, the, the, the marriage is not really the way it's supposed to be, there's control, it, it sets up a stronghold over that family. And I know what I'm talking about because I've seen it, and I've seen how it messes up kids, and it, it destroys families. All right, so you have witchcraft of the flesh, and then you have the dark arts, people I talked about last week, so I'm not going to dwell, but people that have learned uh, the dark arts to release witchcraft. Okay, what I wanted to talk about tonight is the danger of not knowing the difference between the spirit and the soul. All right, now y'all listen. In Hebrews, it talked about the Word of God being a sharp, double-edged sword that even, even divides between spirit and soul. We wouldn't even know that there is a difference between the spirit and soul if it wasn't for the Word of God. But the Bible teaches us that we might be sanctified throughout our whole spirit, soul, and body so we can see that the triune God has made humanity in His image. We're three, but we're one. So there is a triune part to us. And so the Word of God teaches us that we have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body. All right. We have to know the difference between the spirit, what's in the spirit and of the Holy Spirit versus the human soul. Because if we don't, that's how witchcraft will come in. God has to help people to sharpen their discernment. So let me say it this way, and then I'm going to read some scriptures to show you it in the Bible. We need to know the difference, y'all please hear what I'm saying, between what is of the Holy Spirit, what is just simply of man, it's just the person, and what is actually demonic. They are three completely different things. Did y'all hear what I said? Make sure that you know the difference between what is of the Holy Spirit versus what is just simply man. Man may say something, man may give a false message in tongues, a false interpretation, or some kind of a, a vision or a dream they say they have, or some kind of a prophecy, and it's just them. Hello? It's not God. Or what is actually demonic. We have to know the difference, and it takes discernment. So what does the Bible show us about this? In James 3, 14 through 15, but he said, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Listen to what he says here. This wisdom does not descend from above. But it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Wow. That spells it out right there. 
So we have to distinguish between what is descending from above, what is actually from the Lord, and what is just simply of man. See, there's earthly, there's natural man, and that word there, sensual, is actually soulish. How many knows that some people, it's what they're seeing and what they're supposedly discerning and what they're telling you is not really from the Lord. It's just simply out of their own imagination. You know, it was either Ezekiel or Jeremiah talked about my, these, these false prophets. He was saying that they, the Lord said they just get it out of their own imagination. And so there is this soulish realm that can very quickly become demonic. Because see, when somebody is getting something out of their own imagination, out of their own soul, and they begin to try to push that as being from God, are y'all hear what I'm saying? They're saying, thus says the Lord, but it's not the Lord. It's just them. And now they begin to push that. Well, the Lord said, so it needs to be this way because God said it. Pretty soon it gets controlling, manipulative, and it starts moving into a realm of demonic. It can start in the soul, but it doesn't take long before it becomes very demonic. You have to know the difference between what's of God and what's just simply that person. And just because that person is accurate does not mean it's God. Some people that are extremely prophetic people, and if, you, if this is a new subject to you, there's a book by John Bevere that is called Thus Says the Lord that is an excellent read on this subject. But there's people out there that are extremely prophetic people, and they really have a gift there. And because of that, they can kind of read you, and it's not necessarily the Lord, it's just the gifting. Hello? I don't base decisions just because somebody tells me something. You ask my wife. I don't buy everything. Here's how many words I've heard through the years. I mean, there's hundreds of them. But there are some that were God. And I know that they're God, and God will do it because he said it, and it will happen. And some of them have already happened. Others will. I believe in the prophetic and love it, but it better be God. And so the word there for sensual is suke, and it's soulish. So is it just something out of that person? Is it just something they're coming up with? Because Sometimes people that are insecure and they have Jezebel tendencies, they can come across very, very spiritual. They're always getting a word. They're always having a dream and a vision. They're always seeing things. And they sound so spiritual. And they can be really demonstrative and really loud and really boisterous, and they sound so spiritual. But in actual fact, it's only them. It's not really the Holy Spirit. It's just them. It's their soulish area. You have to know the difference between what is the Spirit of God and your own emotions. Because how many knows that you're, the Bible says our hearts are deceitful and wicked and will deceive us. And you know what? A lot of times, let me give you an example. A lot of times people don't realize it, but they're led by their human emotions more than they're led by God. Let me just give you one scenario. Let's say you're going out here and, and you go to eat somewhere and you see somebody over here and and that they're, they don't have anywhere to sleep tonight, and, and, and man, they don't look like they're doing good. And out of your human emotions, you want to go over and try to help them. You better be led by God. Because here's what could be going on, possibly. 
they might be such a rebellious, difficult person that their parents have been on their face in prayer and fasting, begging God to do something. So God has made their life difficult to bring them to repentance. Hello? And you going in there and trying to make things comfortable could be working against what God is actually doing. You ever thought about that? When people are led by human emotion, a lot of times they'll go over to somebody and say, oh, you know, and they'll, they'll just give them a bunch of money and then they go off and they think that they did a good thing and that person just went over and bought a bunch of drugs and now they're under a bridge somewhere getting as high as a kite on your money. You just funded that. Was that really God? I doubt it. It was probably your human emotions. But there are times that God, the Holy Spirit, will speak to you and tell you, you see that person way over there? I want you to go talk to him. And God may lay on your heart to reach out to him and maybe to help him, but you need to be led by God and not your human emotions. I don't think anybody here would argue with that, but your human emotions can lead you astray, can get you into all kinds of problems. How many of you guys in your life have lived long enough to know that there was a time in your life you felt sorry for somebody that looking back on it, you shouldn't have felt sorry for them? <laughs> Admit it, you know you have. And so you try to help somebody out of your human emotions that you look back on it and go, that was a mistake. That was just me. That was not God. So we need to know what is the leading of the Spirit. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit, if it's really Him, it's going to kind of go against what we think sometimes. We think, oh, a little bit. Let me give you an example of this in the Bible. When we look at the great apostle Paul and his intellect and his reason, he was a Pharisee under Gamaliel. He was, he was a brilliant Pharisaical mind. You would think of all people, if God's going to call somebody to reach the Jewish community, he would pick Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Wouldn't you think that? So what does God do? He says, Paul, I want you to go to the Gentiles. People you would have never even talked to before, never ate under their roof, wouldn't have had nothing to do with, you're going to go and win a whole bunch of them to me. The exact opposite of anything that any of us would have thought God would do with that man. And what does he do? He takes an uneducated man who's a fisherman by trade, Peter, puts his hand on him and makes him one of the premier apostles in Jerusalem. And that was like an affront to that religious community, the Pharisees and Sadducees, because they would have looked down their nose at somebody like Peter. Do you see what I'm saying? The wisdom of God seems like foolishness to man. We would have never done that, but God in his infinite wisdom did that, and it seemed like the exact opposite of what we would think should happen. And that's 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15. It says the natural man, that's the soulish man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Isn't that good? But on the other hand, if you continue reading this, it says, he who is spiritual judges all things. Once we develop in our inner man, we begin to develop our spirit to know. In Hebrews, it talks about that. You develop your inner man to distinguish between good and evil. As your inner man gets developed, 
and your soul area gets renewed in Christ, you can really begin to distinguish what's of God and what's not. But it takes a developing of your inner man. It's not something that your natural, hear what I'm saying, your natural human intellect is going to be able to understand. Your reasoning will miss it every time when it comes to this. Your human emotions will miss it. But I tell you what won't miss it is the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit. He's right every time. So we have to learn to be led by the Spirit and distinguished by the Spirit of God. And sometimes that means that you just have to go home and pray about it. I'll tell you a story I've told many times. Dr. Cho in Korea, they had such a breakthrough. It was just harvest time in South Korea. And God began to bring in so many people getting saved. And Dr. Cho's church grew. And there were so many people. It was hard to keep up with everything. But there was such a people of prayer. And um, one service... He had multiple services in a day. One service, this lady's over here prophesying, and there's a line of people, and he kind of had a check in his spirit about it. And so he just kind of walks over there, and he's listening, and it's really, really negative. And it was just, it didn't seem right to him. And so he goes home, and he prays about it. He says, Lord, is this of you or not? Because I kind of had some, a check, but, I mean, do you see the wisdom there? He wants to know what does God say. What did God say? You don't judge it by your natural mind. You don't judge it by your emotions. What are you saying, Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, it's not me, it's a familiar spirit. So he goes back and he tells the lady, now listen, you're not gonna prophesy anymore because God told me it's not of him, it's a familiar spirit. Now, if she was wise, she would have simply said, well, thank you for telling me, pray for me. I don't want this in my life. Help me to get free from this because... Probably she had a genuine tendency to be prophetic and something was perverting that, but she wasn't like that. Like most rebellious type people, she got offended. She didn't like what he had to say and she just simply went to another church and started picking right up doing what she was doing before. So the spirit versus the soulish versus the demonic, okay? And also I want to point out the power of words. Be careful, because our words, the Bible says this, I'm talking about witchcraft, Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as a witness this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, therefore choose life that you and your children may live. So words, life and death, blessings and curses. In Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the tongue, in the power of the tongue, they who love it will eat its fruit. So death and life are in the tongue. So there's something about our words. We need to be really careful because our words can either cause life and blessing or they can really bring destruction and damage. And be careful also with this. Please hear me. Because all of us, there's many prayer warriors and many intercessors in River of Life. You better make sure that you're praying God's will and you're not trying to pray your will over people. Because as you're praying your will over people and trying to use your prayers to manipulate their life, it's witchcraft. Words have so much power. I wonder 
How many places? It's not like this here, okay? So I, I'm thankful for River of Life. But in a lot of places, I wonder how many ministers try to get up and preach, but there's so many people out there that have sat around dinner tables and just run him down and spoken all this negative stuff. He's trying to get up and be used of God, and all these word curses are just weighing him down. They're cursing him. They're cursing his family. They get up, and they, they're all negative, and they're talking all bad about the worship, and they're talking all bad about this person on staff, and they, you know, and all those words are creating an oppression that's working against the church. What would it be like if the people began to really pray and begin to intercede for their leaders and pray for the worship team and pray for the services, and instead of cursing things, they would come in there and speak a blessing over it, and they would pray, God, take it the direction you want it to go. God's not interested in your cursing things. What he's interested in is you praying, Lord, Take the reins and move it the way you want it to go, that it will bring you glory. It will glorify Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit can change lives. And when you begin to pray God's purposes, you know, maybe if something's a little off, if you're praying, God, come in, take the reins, move things the way you want them to go, you know what? God will begin to gently move those things exactly how he wants them to go. I believe this with all my heart. Leadership is trying to do their best, and in any, any area that leadership might just be a little off, God loves us, and you know what? He knows how to iron out the wrinkles and work all things together for the good, for them that love him, a called according to his purpose, his hands on us. None of us are perfect, but if we believe God, he'll work it out. I'm talking about witchcraft. Why is revival not happening? I really believe this sermon I'm preaching on tonight has different answers to that. Some of the strongholds over our nation, some of the strongholds over our cities. People aren't even aware of these things. They don't talk about it. They don't pray about it. They're not aware of it. Some of these things were set up many years ago. And it's been sitting there like a stronghold over territory. I remember when uh, Sergio Scaglini was with me, and, and you know we talk on the phone. We, he's he's become a, a really wonderful friend and has spoken into my life, and I love him very much. He's he's a really quality person. He's the real deal. And as I spent time with him, when he first came here though and ministered, never been here before, uh, he said he said to me, he said, "Brother, you guys know how to have church." That was, a, that was a compliment. But he, but he said this. He said he felt, and this is very interesting because you understand he's originally from Argentina, and he doesn't live in Texas. He lives in another state. And when we were talking all this, he'd only been here a few days, and, and this is what he told me. He said that there was something, when he woke up Friday morning, there was like a spiritual attack. He said, Brother, I really felt what you're coming up against in this region. And we were... We were they're off Ridge Road, and we were having lunch together. And he said this. He said, I feel one of the things you're coming up against in this region goes back to Freemasonry. And I already knew that. And so that confirmed some things to me. But he said, it's interesting. He said, when there's Freemasonic strongholds, how misunderstandings and jumbled communication, division. How many times I feel like I've been totally misunderstood? And it's ridiculous. 
But see, there's something persistent prayer and fasting is going to break this thing open in Dallas. You mark my words. We're at the, we're at the cusp, I'm telling you. So um, let me give you some, a few more things, and I'm going to close this out. So I'm going to give you some Jezebel traits. See, my life was mightily touched by two elderly women that were intercessors. Ruby and Eddie, I talk about them, and they really impacted my life about prayer because for me to be effective, I needed to learn how to pray, and God really used them to help me with that, okay? And I, I love them. I talked about them last night at when, where I was at. Anyway, so I respect um, women intercessors and women in ministry and all that, but you have to understand there's a lot of pastors that have been around a long time that have sometimes legitimate concerns because they've seen prophetess so-and-so come through and it was nothing but a Jezebel spirit. And it just wreaked havoc and destroyed lives. So the next time prophetess, another prophetess so-and-so comes, they've got some serious reservations. They have their reasons for that. You understand? Because they had to go behind this Jezebel and clean up destroyed lives that some of them maybe did, never did recover. And so, unfortunately, this Jezebel spirit likes to traffic in prophetic circles and um, intercessory groups. And so I come from kind of a unique perspective that I've known the real, so I respect that, but I've also seen the counterfeit, and I'm aware of it. And just trust me, I'm aware of both sides, okay? So I, I appreciate and I respect those that are used of the Lord in this area. But... Let me give you some things. My, my wife and I, we put together a book called Conquering the Jezebel Spirit that's on our website. You can read for free. And I put it there for free instead of publishing. I still may publish it, but even if I do, I think I'm still going to let people get it for free. The reason why is because it's such a serious issue. It's so pervasive. I had a minister thank me, call me from, I think it was Arkansas. We're friends now, but I can't remember where he's from. But he was telling me, he said, man, he was going through just a horrible situation in his church to the degree he had to get the police involved. He actually had to, had to get restraining orders against a person. It was bad. And he said that he was really praying, and God led him to our website, and he read that book, and it answered his questions and helped him so much that he wanted to contact me and thank me for that. Isn't that something? See, this is how pervasive this is. It's serious. So let me give you a few things. This is not exhaustive. This is just in a nutshell, just kind of a cursory look at it. But people, male or female, that have this Jezebel type of tendency, a lot of times will have a lust for power. They want that power. You see that in a lot of politicians. Now, listen, there's some good politicians. I love them. There's some of them I really like them, actually. That they're, I believe that they love God and they're sincere. But you know as well as I do that if somebody was to come to you or me and say, hey, do you want to get involved in politics? I don't have that type of a lust for power that <laughs> to have to deal with all they did. You understand what I'm saying, okay? So a lot of people, there's something about this lust for power that causes them to, to want to have power and be over people and domineering. So that's a Jezebel trait. But even if it's not necessarily a lust for power, they have a strong tendency that they don't want to be out of control. 
So there's a fear there. They do not like being out of control. They don't want somebody else making the decisions. Why? Because they're not in control. They want that, that false security of feeling like they're in control. But how many knows that you can try that all day long? You have very little control of your life. Just be, let's just be honest. How many knows that God is the one that's watching over us? And the more that we try to take control, the more we mess things up. But they have that false sense of security that I'm making the decisions. Nobody else is going to tell me this. I'm making this decision. And they, they really want to be in control. They want to be in control in their family. They're the one that is dictating what's going to happen. They want to be in control in the church. There's something there that's very controlling about them. And you cannot give in to that. And if you don't let them control you, they will have a problem with you. You're a threat to them. The next thing is those that have Jezebel tendencies will belittle male authority. They're disrespectful. I remember when I was growing up, maybe I just grew up in the South and, you know, Picture my dad in church sometimes when we were being goofy. He's kind of smack us in the back of the head, you know. And I just grew up with some kind of a respect. But, you know, I remember yes, sir, and no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. I remember having some kind of a respect toward teachers. I was just raised, right? You know, respect. You, Mr. So-and-so. And, you know, when you talk to your coach, yes, sir, you know, there was a respect. I mean, I remember those days. But see, there's a belittling of authority. There's a disrespect toward authority with this Jezebel. And those that have a Jezebel spirit, many times they'll sound so spiritual, but they're not. But they sound so spiritual. And what they'll do is behind the pastor's back of a church or behind the youth pastor or whoever, they'll make these little comments, little left-handed comments, innuendos, negative little things about them. It's subtle, but they're trying to get the people to lose respect and confidence in their leaders. It's a spirit. Little comments, little jabs, little things that, that is meant to try to bring them down in the eyes of the people. And I believe ultimately... A lot of times, maybe not always, but a lot of times the reason that they're doing that is because they want to bring down those people in the eyes and then get those people to look to them as the spiritual giant. What they're really trying to do many times, it may not be every time, but what they're really trying to do is feel that they are more spiritual than your pastor. Hello? So that now you're going to start looking at them as your spiritual leader and not your pastor. And don't be surprised if they can't get the end of God in the church, they'll try to start something outside of the church and get people to come and sit under their teaching. And they'll still keep going with those little innuendos, those negative comments and little things because they're trying to get people to look to them and gain a following. And once the leadership finds out about it, they'll confront it and they'll deal with it because it's witchcraft. And the person, 
by that point has already got a following and they'll just take those people with them and they'll go to the next church and do the same thing. Then they'll go to the next church and do the same thing. And here's another thing. They want to usurp that authority. They want that authority. They want to be able to control. And again, I'm not being political, but everybody knows about this, so it's so blatantly obvious it's a good example. But that's why these people, like Pelosi and others, had a problem with Trump because they couldn't control him. That's what it all was about. Everything from the beginning to the end was about them wanting to control somebody they could not control. And because they couldn't control him, they hated him. and did everything they could to turn people against him. And people, listen, I say this with love, but people are goofy. I mean, here, here's this guy that won awards for, for investing in and honoring the black community. He won awards for it. That they really don't have anything on him of significance, so what do they do? Well, he's a racist. And there's people gullible enough out there to just believe it. Oh, yeah, he's a racist, a white supremacist. <laughs> I mean, and they believe it. But see, it's all about manipulating the minds of people against a male authority figure that God put there to remove and put in an empty suit little Ahab. It's all about manipulation and control. Also, these people, many times, a Jezebel type, they, they're smart enough to not do it themselves, they'll get little patsies that will carry out their dirty work. That way, whenever that person goes and starts a bunch of problems and the pastor comes down on them, and it ends up kind of going back to Queen Jezebel, she'll say, well, I didn't tell him to do that. I had nothing to do with that. In fact, if I knew about it, I would have told them not to, and they let them take the fall. They'll get other people to carry out their dirty work. They're also very narcissistic. Pretty much everything is about them. They're very inward focused. They are extremely rebellious people that nobody is going to tell them what to do. Boy, they don't like being told what to do. Rebellion. They do not like to be told no. What is the saying? Hell hath no fury like that of a scorned woman. Let me tell you. Hell had no fury like that of a scorned Jezebel. Once a Jezebel is getting her little way and people are kind of going, and all of a sudden the male leader says, you know what, we're not going to do that. Hell had no fury like the wrath that's about to come now. They also will use their revelation to control. Now, I've seen this a couple times. This really troubled me. I've seen where in a husband and wife scenario, again, I've seen this multiple times, so this isn't just once. Husband and wife scenario, the husband doesn't really feel good about something, but the wife says, but I heard from God. You know, that type of situation it puts him in? Because now he's thinking, well, you know, am I going against God? And he's, he better really hear from God. Let me tell you, you better hear from God for yourself. I mean, it may be a bad joke, but Adam and Eve come to mind. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just saying you need, you need to hear from God for yourself for real because that person may be sincere, but they, I've seen times, in my opinion, where a woman used that to control her husband. I saw it twice. I've seen it two different relationships 
where she would say, well, God said, and he would do it, and it wasn't God, and I knew it wasn't God. And sure enough, down the road, it, it wasn't God. So you better, you better, husbands, leaders, you better hear from God for yourself, and don't let revelation uh, of other people control you. It was interesting because, again, there was this minister that was saying this. He said he's been Pentecostal for years, and he's, he's seen a lot of things. And he's seen where sometimes witchcraft control in a church, and you have these two sisters, and one of them will give a message in tongues, the other the interpretation, and they use that to kind of tell the church what actually needs to be going on. <laughs> That's witchcraft. And, and a pastor's got to put a stop to that. Well, well, in that is when he gets up and says, I know they may mean well, but that is not God, and that's not what God's saying. Do not listen to that. So, but what's going to happen a lot of times, they're going to get offended, leave, and try to take people with them. But it's all about using rev, so, supposed revelation to control. Also, last couple things is they're very independent. You'll usually find these type of people go from church to church and they don't stay in one place very long. They're very independent because they don't like being told what to do. They don't like somebody dealing with the stuff in their life that's not right. How many knows when you really go, God really truly sends you to a church that you go in there an imperfect person, of course, all of us are, but God's going to begin to work on you. And there's going to be times, how many knows what I'm talking about? There's times that things are a little uncomfortable as God's knocking the rough edges off of us. But see, those type of people are rebellious. They don't like being dealt with. And so they'll, they'll end up leaving pretty quick. They don't stay anywhere long. And they go and they take all their problems to the next place. It comes up again. They try to deal with it there person just simply leaves and go, and they never stay anywhere long. It's a bad sign when somebody is just going from place to place and never can stay long. It's a bad sign. When God really truly leads you somewhere, you're going to be there a while. And I was thankful my parents, we didn't go to a lot of places. We went basically my whole childhood up we went to two places, and the only reason why we switched is because we physically moved and couldn't go to the first church. Or we would have been at that first church to, you know. So it's a bad sign when people are independent and go from place to place. And finally, the last thing I would say about Jezebel-type people is they have a tendency to destroy relationships. Hear what I'm saying. Please hear this. If they can, they'll do things and say things to try to get you and your friends or you and your family or you and church leadership irritated with one another. And they're doing that. They're destabilizing relationships. And then they come in wanting to fix all of it so everybody looks to them. Hello? Given the opportunity, they'll destroy relationships. Yes, they will. And they've done it many times. They'll even turn husbands and wives against each other. So let me just uh, read through this. I think you guys already know this, many of you, because I've taught along these lines many times. But there's a reason why God's dealing with this subject. I, I think as a nation, we need to talk about it. But 
you know, with revive, things about to come in River of Life, y'all please look this way and hear me, what's about to come, I think maybe you need to know this information, and so the Holy Spirit is trying to maybe teach you before some things might come up down the road. Just be careful. See, here's some things, I'm just going to read through them. John Paul Jackson dealt with it in his book, Unmasking a Jezebel Spirit. That's a good book, if you want to read one about this subject also. Um, be careful with wrong relationships. You can have unholy alliances. Be careful the relationships you have. Be careful having wrong influence in your life, spiritually. Wrong ministry connections and listening to the wrong people. Never ceases to amaze me how some people are so slow to listen to the right people, but yet they're given to listen to the wrong. They won't listen to their parents who actually love them and have wisdom, but they'll listen to their goofy friend who's as young as they are that don't know anything. And what they say is golden. It's the same thing with adults. But many times, some people that are rebellious and have these type of issues, they won't listen to the right people, but they'll listen to the wrong every time. Be careful about that. Secondly, be careful with illegitimate authority. Just like I was talking about certain people, all these comments about the pastor, and they'll try to get a following unto themselves. That is illegitimate authority. That person is not an authority from God. It is witchcraft. It's a demonic thing. Be careful with illegitimate authority. You need to hear from God where you go to church, who your covering is, and submit to that covering. Be under authority. Number three, be careful with ungodly control. Don't let anybody control you. Please hear me. Some of y'all know this, and I've had to deal with it some in my relatives, my wife too, but some of y'all know that you've got some family members that can be pretty controlling. Don't let anybody manipulate and control your life. Break free from control. The fourth thing I would say, and let me give you another example about that, actually. I have this in my notes. This is not long ago, so how many of you guys remember the Brett Kavanaugh hearings? Another guy brought in to be a Supreme Court justice. Behind the scenes, you have this Feinstein woman. And they know that Kavanaugh is somebody that's a conservative and that he's probably going to be against abortion. So what do they do? They have some lady come in that most of us, I personally, I'm not being mean, but I personally don't believe she's telling the truth. That's just my opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. But I think probably most of you don't believe it either. And so you have somebody coming in that's a false accuser that is so, and listen, they're crying. How many knows that tears, crying, Manipula emotional manipulation of the highest order is going on to try to get this guy to look like a horrible human being and her to look like this poor little victim. And the whole time, she's lying. And she's the patsy, but behind the scene is people like Feinstein and others that are Jezebel that are just using her. Hello? Emotional manipulation. The fourth thing I would say is be careful for counterfeit revelation. There can be false gifts, guys. There can be false tongues. Jezebel will try to discredit the true prophetic. It's interesting how this spirit 
will try to make true leaders and true prophetic voices sound like they're wrong and discredit them and then make themselves look like that they hear from God. You see, there's something there to try to discredit the true voice and promote a Jezebel false voice. These type of people can be really loud, really demonstrative. They sound so spiritual. They have all kinds of words. God speaks to them about everything. I mean, you listen to these people. Man, they go to McDonald's. They heard from God to go to McDonald's and order that order fries, buddy. They heard, they heard from God about taking a ride on First Street. You know, it's like every little thing. They're so spiritual. Always having dreams and visions. Always hearing from God about everything. Let me do those type of people, guys, just trust me. They're not spiritual, and they're not actually hearing from God. God doesn't talk to you about stupid stuff like ordering a large fry unless there's a really good reason. All right, so a lot of times what this is is like psychic revelation. It's something that's soulish and even demonic, but it's not God. Number five, mind control and spells. Jezebel operates with a strong mind control and oppression that comes over people's minds, and they'll, they'll feel like a mind fog, confusion. And even in the physical, it can sometimes feel like being a little dizzy, disoriented, and headaches. And you're wondering, what's going on? It could be witchcraft. But it's meant to try to control people's thought processes to the best of its ability. It's limited there, but it can try to influence the way people think or confuse them where they don't know what to think. Number six, divide and conquer. I've already talked about that. They try to destabilize relationships. Number seven, mental and emotional oppression. Don't forget, because I'm ending this tonight about the warfare against revival. Don't forget what happened to the prophet Elijah, and don't forget what Evan Roberts went through. It will try to bring depression and discouragement, making somebody feel that they're worthless, nobody cares about them, even the smallest task seems so difficult to get accomplished. They feel isolated. They feel that they're alone even though they're not. It can also be connected, especially because of the previous, it can be connected to health battles. Did you know in the Bible, it says God's given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Did you know the spirit of heaviness can be translated the breath of infirmity? Did you know that? Look it up. So there is something about this oppressive heaviness that comes on people where they're depressed, they're discouraged, they feel like giving up, and it's connected also to infirmity. This stuff can oppress people's finances, and it can try to confine the ministry. And don't be surprised, every time the church starts to move forward to a new thing, the devil doesn't try to send those type of people. Be careful. Also, finally, and I've talked enough about it, just the dark arts in general, that there can be things coming against the church, against leaders, against people, and they wonder, they're like, man, all of a sudden in the nighttime, they have all kinds of tormenting thoughts and bad dreams. Now, you know, they're happily married, but it seems like there's some kind of a strange tension in the atmosphere that is unexplainable. They find that there's one little health battle after the next. They're wondering, why is it 
that it's so hard that every time we're trying to do something here financially, whatever, it just seems like there's a setback, a delay, a hindrance, one after the other, and they may be coming up against some kind of witchcraft. The purpose of it is to delay, hinder, and possibly even block things that God wants to see happen. And so how do we respond? Now close with this, cancel the legal ground. You know, it's not, it, it, we make it complicated. Bottom line is, cancel the legal ground and drive it out. We have authority, but you only have authority when you've canceled the legal ground. Have you been in agreement with it? Have you allowed something? Have you, have you come under some kind of a control? Well, we need to get our face and say, God, forgive us for the things that we've been doing that's not right. We repent of it, forgive us, and wash us in the blood. Then you can stand up and say, now I take authority. You get out of here in Jesus' name. But as long as things are not right, the enemy can keep on oppressing and doing it, you see. So deep repentance in our personal lives and changing old habits. If we've had tendencies to be a certain way, Lord, help us to change old habits, old patterns. But I'll tell you something, prayer and fasting will dislodge and clear away the most stubborn things. It will. And drive them out. All right, so that's, that's how I wanted to close it tonight. Cancel legal ground, drive it out. And let me say this for anybody in the ministry that may be hearing this. I've learned this. Please hear what I'm saying. If you're dealing with those type of people, the devil tries to send them. It's a lot easier on everybody that you pray them out than trying to come up against and fight them out. Because they're master manipulators to make you look like a horrible person and get people to feel sorry for them and take a lot of people with them. That's what they try to do. So it's a lot better... If you can start every, every church service, you know, you, most ministers will go pray at some point. Just walk among the chairs, Lord, and here's how you pray. Lord, I pray that these type of troublers, people that would come in that would, that would sow rebellion, that would sow discord, Lord, those that are troublemakers that cause all kinds of problems in church and they destroy lives, Lord, I'm asking you to keep them out. But if for some reason you let one of them come to a service, here's how you pray. Don't let them get established. Don't let them get their roots down. Don't let them develop deep, meaningful relationships with others. Don't let them get entangled in the lives of people. But quickly uproot them and clear them out of here. And they won't be able to destroy people's lives. They won't be able to destroy the church. They won't be able to take others out. They'll just simply be gone. And I've seen God do it. But see, that's the way you do it because God will get them out of here. What they want to do is they want to turn people against you if they can and cause problems. So, Lord, I thank you so much for this word. And, Lord, help us to be aware in our nation what we're dealing with. Help us, Lord, to be aware of the strongholds we're coming up against, even here in Dallas. And, Lord, things that the body of Christ is coming up against, things that maybe we've been coming up against. Lord, help us to see it and help us, Lord, to be able to drive it out and destroy it and see the breakthroughs. We thank you for it now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right.
So let's put on some worship for a moment. Let's just, where you're at, just hold on. I've been feeling like...